And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Ben Stradubba, episode 634, continuing our team-by-team fantasy baseball previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. Almost wrapping up the AOS, got a couple more to go here. We're going to Houston, a perennial powerhouse of the AOS and the Houston Astros. Uh, Another strong season from them in 2023. In order to help me break them down for fantasy and much, much more, a friend of the show helped me preview them last year. He has a a website, armchairroto.com. You can find him on Twitter at armchairroto. Mr. Russell, how are we doing, my friends? I'm doing great, Bubba. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on. Yep, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Love chatting with you. Uh, before we get into the player-by-player discussion for the Astros, what were your thoughts on 2023, how they finished up for the Astros? Were you? I know they didn't win the whole shebang, but uh, was how, how was it for you? You know, uh, I'd be lying if I, if I told you that it's not the most fun it's ever been in my life to be an Astros fan right now. I mean, it's a golden age. Uh, I wish I wish uh, other people could experience what it's like to have your team in the ALCS every every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish wish they'd taken home the trophy a, f- a few more times than than two, but uh, there's there's still time for that, and uh, I think the team next year is is going to be even better. So so we're ready to watch them go at it again. Yeah, they're they're a force to be reckoned with. That's for sure. It's in there. They're built properly. I know we talked about it last year, and just the, the the one thing that always sticks out to me that you have to give the brass in the front office some credit for is all the trades that were discussed years ago and all this, that, and the other. They always said Kyle Tucker's not touchable. You have anybody else. T. Oscar went. There's many others. And um, for, for obvious reasons, it's panning out very nicely because he's becoming a centerpiece to, as certain players get older, Tucker's kind of just moving his way up the ladder in the limelight of like, yeah, this will be my team pretty soon. So this is a pretty good transition in that regard but um let's talk about some of these bats here and let's start with the man that i think we all can agree one of the handful of players has 50 home run power it's just a matter of can jordan alvarez stay on the field that is the million dollar question with jordan alvarez and we'll be using the adp from like the last 15 or 16 dcs give or take it just fluctuates a lot these days but uh over the last like say 15 drafts Jordan Alvarez has an ADP still of 18. He's got his uh, highest 15, as low as 21. So what are your thoughts on Jordan? Because I, I, I pretty much said we know the ceiling's amazing, but there's been a lot of floor as well. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot you could say about him that people don't already know. He's, he's a four-category beast. His power metrics just jump off the page. He's one of the best pure hitters in the game. Um you know, that ADP of 18, what makes that kind of unique when you look at other power bats that are in that area is that you're you're baking in uh, a trip to the IL. I mean, people are taking him around there because he's only being projected for 500 plate appearances or so. And if he finally hits that healthy season and gets 600, 650, there's a ton of room for, for profit on that draft pick. So if you look at some of the power bats that are going right near him, like Matt Olson or, or Austin Riley, you know, with those guys, you're already paying for the 650 plate appearances. There's, there's not a whole lot of room for, for profit there. You're drafting what you expect. So with someone like, with someone like Jordan, you know, you pay for those 500 plate appearances. And if you get that extra hundred, man, you've, you've struck gold and you've got a, 
a, a top top 10 player because if he played the full season, he's an easy first rounder. Um, so, you know, when you look at how he ended last season, I mean, he ended the season healthy. He had, uh, you know, 100, I can't remember the exact numbers, but 115, 120 plate appearances in, in both August and September. So, you know, that's, that's a pace for your 650 plus PAs and, you know, that's on the table for next season if if that season hits. Yeah, well, looking at his numbers, as you mentioned, the just plate plate appearances month by month, it was it was one fifteen in August, one sixteen and uh, or one eighteen in September. So that's definitely what you want to see. Those are both the most. He had one fourteen in May. Other than that, it was June and July were gloom when it came yeah. to Jordan. But it's true, like as you look at those two months, August, September, he had three oh six and two ninety three. Not bad. Had twelve total home runs. Like. These are uh, big boy numbers when, when all things are, are said and done. And the one thing that when I think of Jordan, and obviously steals will never be there with Jordan Alvarez, like we like you said, four-category beast. What he reminds me a lot of, and again, minus the steals part, is like Aaron Judge. Like we said it forever. If Aaron Judge could just stay healthy, he could have a monster season. We saw it. He finally stayed healthy one year. MVP, obviously the steals were there for him as well. But who's to say Jordan can't make that kind of a jump where it's like, hey, I'm going to hit – 295 to 305 and hit you 48 home runs and driving 130 and like there's a world where that's very very feasible and that yeah. that turns into a potential top five pick like you're saying which is pretty wild to think about yeah, absolutely yes the risk reward just to, just for fun quick you don't have to go deep into this at all but it was a question on Bubba the bloom on thursday night that was a very interesting question we did our short stop preview and a listener asked what's the difference because we're talking four category players between a Corey seager and a, a Jordan Alvarez because they both spend time on the IL. It's a decent comparison. Jordan's got the more power. I think the ceiling's there, but Seager just means that consistency time and time again. So I was, out of curiosity, just your, your thoughts on that. Don't have to go deep into it, but it was a very interesting question the more we thought about it. Well, I would just say two things that immediately come to mind. I do think Jordan is a better pure hitter than Corey Seager is. Corey Seager is obviously really good. Uh, but the other thing that comes to mind is Seeger has already done what we just talked about. Yeah. He finally put together those healthy seasons and gave everybody that big profit. True. True. Good point. Good point. Yeah. When I first, when me and Ryan both first saw the question, we're like, oh, this is silly. Like, it's Jordan. Like, what are we doing? But at least there was credence to it the more you thought about it. It made it slightly more interesting than most would expect. Yeah. Kyle Tucker. Love this kid. I've loved him forever. Like, big, big fan of Kyle Tucker. Kind of talked about him early on. Right now, his ADP is around seven. Um, I know I've taken him as high as four. Uh, that draft is not completed yet because the men is five right now. So that'll change when that draft completes. Uh, I love Kyle Tucker. I've always loved him. And I'm just going to say he went 30-30 last year because I think you know the joke behind that. But 29-30, not bad. It's basically three straight seasons of 30 home runs. The steals are there. Average could be better, but not 284 is pretty good last year. I'll say that. This dude's just a five-category monster. Like, I love everything about Kyle Tucker, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's even more we could get from a guy like Kyle Tucker as Dusty's out of town. There's a place in the order that might benefit Kyle Tucker now. So what's your thoughts on Tucker this season? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, the, the Dusty factor, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, his ADP is currently sixth. Uh, I'm taking him over Mookie, so – I've, I've got him at least fifth, and, and I think you could make the case to, to take him even a little bit higher. I mean, he's already incredible, but but he's still improving. I mean, he's improved 
his walk rate, strikeout rate, contact rate, and, and he's done all that while all of his powered stat cast metrics have held steady. Um, so there's a little bit more room for growth in that regard. But but you mentioned the Dusty factor. Uh, there's this perception that Dusty kind of jerked him around last year. I, I think that's a bit of a holdover. Last year wasn't as the, bad. Yeah. Last year was not as bad. It's true. So he hit fifth 56 times. He hit cleanup 43 times, and he hit third 56 times. So it was split pretty evenly across those three um, <clears throat> uh, throughout the season. Uh, but the funny thing is, uh, if you look at his WRC plus from the different positions, uh, he had a 131 WRC plus from the five hole. It got better at cleanup 143, and then in the three hole, it was 150. So you know, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how much to to really make of that, but but it is there. And with new management next season, you could see him getting a little more respect. Um, it's kind of a weird thing with their lineup because Tucker and Jordan are the only lefties. So the manager has to take that into account. But you could see them working the lineup in a way where he hits third or fourth all season and banks an extra 50 to, to 75 plate appearances that way. Uh, so there's room for growth there, too. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing to dislike about Kyle Tucker. Yeah, I'm with you. And you said early on that, you know, you're taking him over bets. I did as well. Like to me, and it's weird because I always have this thing where I somehow I don't land on bets and it's, he's a great fantasy player. It's like if I have the seventh pick or sixth pick, okay, there's Mookie Betts, cool. But if I have the option, like to me, it's the, the, the bigger conversation is, is it Tucker or Corbin Carroll for people? That's where the four or five kind of goes for me, at least. And so I'm going Tucker still, obviously. Yeah. But uh, it's the, it's basically Tucker, Carroll, Betts. That's your four, five, six that you get to play from, unless you throw Tatis into the mix too, which is a valid argument as well. Like it's a it's a fun world we live in right now in fantasy, where it wasn't too long ago Russell, where it was the like top three, and then it was a kind of a yeah whatever we could do. Now there's a good like seven or eight where you're just like okay, let's like J Ram used to be in that top three, now he's like eleven mm-hmm. or twelve. <laughs> like it's 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 pretty wild thinking thinking back to what we used to have. Talent pool. Pretty nice. Yeah. Jose Altuve, talk about the talent pool. He was in that talent pool before and he's still there. I'm gonna be 34 years old. This guy just keeps doing it. And um currently has an ADP of around 43 in drafts, right behind CJ Abrams, which is an interesting kind of place to be. But 17 homers, 14 steals in 90 games. Obviously had the injury that derailed him after a monster 2022. But if you do quote unquote pace wise, still a pretty good season. So what's your thoughts on Altuve as you know, father time eventually wins, but right now it doesn't look like it's stopping him at all. Yeah, I mean, age 34, he really shows no signs of, of slowing down at all. As far as, as being a hitter goes, his last two seasons uh, per WRC Plus are two of the three best of his career. Um, so he had a 160 in 2017, but last year it was 154. The year before that it was 164. Um, so, I mean, his skills across the board – uh, just they're so rock solid that it just makes you wonder if he's, if he's aging at all. Um, and it's, it's so steady that, that when that age decline does come, you, you, you can feel pretty confident that it's going to be a gradual decline rather than a cliff. So you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get stuck holding the bag on, on a, on a bad set of skills that just completely failed you. Um, you know, the, the one the one thing you could kind of quibble with is is he's he's not all that fast, but he's such a good base runner 
uh, that it doesn't really matter. Um, stealing bases is a big part of his game, and he loves to do it, and he's extremely efficient. He only has three caught stealings of the last two seasons, despite not having a great sprint speed. Uh, so I would expect that actually to continue. Uh, if you look at steamer uh, steamer projections, so steamer is projecting a little bit of a pullback on his stolen base rate. Um, so he had uh, steamers projecting 16 steals in 682 plate appearances. Uh, but I see that as a floor because he stole 14 in 410 last season. So anywhere in that in that range of outcomes is is what you're looking for. Uh, so I don't expect that to fall off. And ADP 42 is is kind of right around where I have him ranked. Um, that's a perfectly good price. You could plug him in and and not have to worry. He's a great building block. 100%. You're going to get usually pretty darn solid batting average on back-to-back 300 seasons, which is pretty good. Um, I guess the only if, if there's any nitpicking I have to do, and it's 100% nitpicking, like I still love Jose Altuve at his, as draft cost, is if anything's going to deteriorate, I think it's going to be the power more than anything, but it's due to age. But, hey, if he puts the 15 to 20 homers with his 20-plus steals and then everything else, he's going to he can score 120 runs in that lineup if yeah. he plays every day. And that's the stat like we always joke about no one really – pays as much attention to that's why bets is so elite when you think it's come down to it Altuve could be that dude so that's definitely a building block piece yeah and, and you know he doesn't really rely on big raw power he's yep. a really good hitter that knows how to put the ball where he wants where he wants yep. it to go and so even even though he's not the biggest most powerful guy he could still hit the ball out yep 100 especially in the Crawford blocks and he knows like you said he, he knows he doesn't need to with the guys behind him like just get on yep. base we'll make yep. magic happen one of those guys behind him, and I think they probably won't be on base that often for him because of the boys in front of Yiner Diaz. But yeah, well, you know where we're going with this. You were you were on him. Uh, we did the previous shows. I love Yiner. The second he started to get regular playing time, I was picking him up everywhere. DC's already had him. Thank you. That was thanks to you. Um, Yiner Diaz ADP of one eleven right now. He's uh, on pace to. He's he's one of the early catchers, like top five catcher off the board right now. At twenty three homers and one hundred and forty. 104 games last year, hitting 282, and they've already announced he is the everyday catcher this season. So what's your thoughts on Diaz this year? Is is he worth going into maybe a higher tier of catcher ADP-wise? Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish I had gone back and listened to what I said about him on your on your show last year. But, um, yeah, if you drafted him in a, in a draft champions league, you did – Pretty well, I think. Uh, yeah, his ADP currently is 107. He's a fifth catcher off the board, and I like that pick a lot. Uh, I don't always practice what I preach, but but I like drafting catchers early. I like just uh, taking care of that and not having to worry about it. Um, I mean, maybe he doesn't walk as much as you would like, but really he's a he checks all the other boxes. He's got a great strikeout rate under 20%. ISO, PS, hard hit, barrel, his EVs, they're all above average. He's just a really good hitter. And now that he's the guy, he should get the plate appearances. And you know, there's there's really not a whole lot not to like. Um, you know, Steamer's projecting 420 PAs. I'm giving him 475. And that's just based on what he was doing when he took over as a regular last season. Um, so... I'm not so much projecting a, a a playing time bump as I am projecting a bump in 
consistency and the playing time you expect, if that makes any sense. That makes a ton of sense. And <clears throat> I'm, I'm very much uh, interested in seeing where he goes this year. I guess, again, I always like to just, if there's anything to nitpick on, um, we talk about certain catchers like William Contreras and others getting all those ABs at DH. That will not happen very often in Houston with Jordan and company around. But Jordan will play the outfield a bit. We saw that while he's healthy. But he, I think we all agree, just let Jordan DH. Just let him just let him DH, call it good. So that's, the, I guess, the only backside to, uh, to Yainer. But, uh, yeah, I love him. Love everything about him. So um, I'm with you, though. I like these early catchers. It's just such a deep position this year. It's hard for me to draft him there. Um, not against him if he's worth that ADP. It's just I don't see myself there as often because, like, the next guy we're going to talk about, Alex Bregman, his ADP is 108. He's going right near him at a third base position where I'd much more inclined to take Bregman here and take a catcher later scenario. And Bregman's just – he's been awesome. Like, you look at him, it's boring, but it's the consistent goodness you need on a team. Um, he's hitting, you know, 260-ish, 25 home runs last year. But you look at runs RBIs combined, he's getting close to 200 every single season which is just quietly getting the job done. And I love what the Astros have done now is because he had that monster home run season when everyone had a monster home run season. Now it's kind of like we know who he is. So they moved him up in the order because he's a great OBP dude. Get on base. Let the guys bring you in. So I, I'm much more in on Bregman than I ever have been. Like I'm not saying I'm grabbing him everywhere, but I'm very – he's much more on my radar than years past. So what's your thoughts on Alex Bregman? Yeah, I've grabbed him in a couple of places too. It, feel, it feels like uh, like his ADP is much more palatable – this season than it, than it has been in the past. It's like uh, part of me feels like people still look at that 2019 season and, and they're just disappointed in, in what he actually is now, but he's, he's one of the best hitters in the game. He walks more than he strikes out. He's got such a good eye. He's got such good bat control. And I mean, he's like, he's like a metronome. You look at his last two seasons. It's like, Almost 200 combined runs in RBI, 25 home runs, solid batting average. Um, there's, he's just one of those guys you can plug in and you can rely on him to to, to rack up stats. Um, you know, he's it's 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 kind of disappointing as an Astros fan this season because it's his walk here, and you know, I don't know if you are a person who believes in. Uh, contract years. I'm not really sure that I am or not, but you have to think he stays motivated to go out there and stay on the field and put up the best season he can. So I don't think it's crazy that that we see, you know, an improvement from the baseline that the last two seasons set he set for himself. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm not saying everyone has great contract years, but if you're going to see them, they're obviously in the contract years. We see it quite a bit. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. That I wouldn't be shocked. And Bregman is a uh, chip on my shoulder type guy. So it wouldn't surprise me either if he had extra motivation, like you said, it could go a long ways with, with Bregman. Yeah. I mean, like uh, not to, not to stick on this for too long, but you know, the Astros have seen franchise players walk, you know, Springer and, and uh, you know, Bregman has been such a heart and soul of the team. You could just see him uh, just really wanting to, to make one last run at this thing and just have this incredible season while they try to try to win one more trophy with this, this core together before they kind of move on to the next generation. Yeah. I'm with you. Cause that was one thing I was going to say is it feels not as much like the Cubs, but kind of where they're going to get to a point where they can't bring all these guys back. It's just the reality of the situation. 
And so it's like, like you said, Springer left. Bregman might be the next because that's just the line of demarcation. Because like they they're going to want to pay Tucker. They're going to want to do a few things like that. So you can't keep them all. Is the it's it's the blessing and the curse. You had so much good talent, you just can't keep them all. So enjoy yeah. it while you can. And Bregman might be that next casualty. Which uh, see how it goes. Now it gets a little more interesting. I'm really, really looking forward to this because, you know, Alvarez, Tucker, Altuve, Diaz, Bregman, we all know they're studs. They're all going no, no later than like 111. Like these are all really, really good ball players. Now we get fun. Chaz McCormick, uh, ADP of around 171 right now in 115 games last year, 22 and 19 while hitting 273. Super productive. Looks to have a pretty strong uh, handle on a regular playing time again this season. Maybe I'm wrong, though. This is where I'm curious what your thoughts are on Chaz McCormick because early in draft season, I was pretty aggressive on getting a potential 2020 guy. I still am into him, but not, like, forcing the pick anymore. So what's your thoughts on McCormick? Yeah, I really like Chaz McCormick. Uh, I mean, if people pull up his Fangrass page, I think this would surprise a lot of people. But over three seasons, his three seasons in the majors, uh, 1,200 plate appearances – He's a 120 WRC plus career major league hitter. I mean, he's a really good hitter. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really stand out in any one metric, but he's kind of average or above average across the board in such a way that he can really make those tools work for him. Um, you know, he, he just, he knows how to barrel the ball up. He's got a really nice barrel rate. Um, he knows how to steal bases. And he's a he's an above average defensive player too, and you know I don't I don't I know I pick on Dusty Baker a lot on yeah, it's fair, social I media. Too. I don't want to keep doing that here, but but uh, now that he's gone, Chaz should get everyday run, and he deserves it. So when you look at uh, you know I think a lot of people are looking at the projections and they see you know Steamer at four ninety five plate appearances and depth charts at five thirty two. You know, I'm giving Chaz a full 600. Uh, I, I think the job is his, and he's going to be in there pretty much regular all season. So I think you're looking at a repeat of last season or better, and he is absolutely a great draft pick at 174. Uh, you know, probably a round or two higher is appropriate. So we're on the same page on that one. So uh, maybe I should get back to being aggressive on him because that's what I was seeing when I was looking into his page more and stuff. I'm like, okay, this guy's actually really good. Just never really got the full run of it because of platoons and whatnot. And like early he reports. He doesn't even have platoon splits really. But no, but that's what they were doing with him was what yeah, the problem yeah. was. Yeah, as I'm saying, Dusty Baker again. So uh, it was it was one of those things like um, now that the you know words coming out, they say, you know, Yiner's going to be the everyday dude. McCormick's the everyday dude. Like those type of reports come out. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, now this is where it gets fun because if you started, like you said, projecting the full at bat set you should be getting, this guy can produce in a, in a pretty big way that next year's ADP could be really interesting to talk about. Now, a player in Jeremy Pena. Um, there were kind of some had high expectations, some were like, temper those pretty quickly, please, because he's not as good as you know we saw. It was kind of a mixed bag. We got ADP of 224 right now, he hit 263 last year, which is an improvement. His walk rate and K rate improved, but only 10 homers and 13 steals. So what are we thinking with Jeremy Payne as it was a, a rough sophomore season? Yeah, he's he's such an odd and frustrating player to evaluate uh, because the, that 2022 and, and last season are so different. 
um, 22 home runs in 550 PAs in 22, and then 10 last season in almost 100 more. Um, you know, Steamer seems to believe 2022 more than 2023. And I think there's some room for optimism there um, for, for something in the middle. Um, like you said, he increased his walk rate uh, from 3.9% to 6.8%. So he had a much better on base percentage uh, last season. I lowered his strikeout rate from 24 to 20, uh, improved his contact rate. And he's he's really young, so I could see that growth being, being real and even continuing. Um, you know, the problem is he started hitting a bunch of ground balls. I mean, 46% isn't, isn't great, but that's what he did in 2022. But he jumped up to 54% last season. He just turned into an absolute worm killer. Um, and, and that cut his barrels in half, even though his, his power metrics kind of stayed the same. Uh, if you look at his, his minor league career, that ground ball rate's a bit of an outlier. Um, so I think it's reasonable to think he gets that ground ball rate back down into the mid, mid to upper 40s, hits some more balls in the air. So I think that might be what the projection systems are looking at, um, kind of regressing back to his, his career launch angle and ground ball. So I think my expectation is somewhere in the middle of last season in 2022. So I think you're going to get a, a pretty reliable batting average, some home runs in the mid teens, um, stolen bases, kind of the same as what you got last season. And, you know, with hitting at the, like, I don't think Joe Espada is going to bat him second. Um, and put the kind of pressure on him that Dusty put on him. I think he's going to be, you know, down in the bottom of the order unless he really turns it on and and turns into something we haven't seen yet. And, you know, he could just be a, a shortstop who plays really excellent defense, who knows he's just going to be batting seventh or eighth, and he could do the best he can to improve his hitting game. And so the pressure's kind of off there. And as someone who is going to be in a great lineup every day, those counting stats are going to be there. And he's just a really solid building block. And, and he leaves room for something more. There's some room for profit. So I think he's just a really good piece and he's not too expensive. He's a good middle infield yeah. uh, uh, roster filler. Yeah. It's good to hear. Cause yeah, I was, I was all in on him. Well, not all of us. Very invested in him and Willie Adamas last year. So we saw how that went between those two. Both had basically recession seasons, and um, it was tough to see because you mentioned some of the things with the uh, with um, Pena, where you could see rooms for improvement or kind of going back to reverting back to what we saw two years ago. And um, I'm hoping we get that. And now you get it at a discount. So if you want to take that chance, and it's what I keep saying on certain shows is where he's going now. If you're in a say you're at a 12 team OC. If it doesn't work out, he's an easy drop. Like he's an easy drop. If but if he goes back to closer to what he was in 2022, that's a heck of a middle infielder. That might be your shortstop if something were to happen. So yeah. those are the kind of players I like to target. Obviously, I know I'm not alone in that, but uh, with that kind of upside, it's, it's, and again, super young. Well, he could be 26 this year or something. So I think he he's just, younger than that, isn't he? I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, I got him. He's 26. Yeah. He's oh, okay. Older, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, still, that's young, very, very young. Yeah. So we got some options there. Much younger than this next guy, Jose Abreu, who's 36. Um, 
and I'm going to be 100% honest, I thought it was a one-year deal last year, and then I was going through stuff, oh. and I was doing research, and I'm, I saw, <laughs> I won't give the, the AAV on this one, but it was a three-year deal. And I was yeah. Like, I was like, oh, so Abreu's there for a couple more years. Gotcha. Um, I was just expecting it to be one year because it's Jose Abreu. But 18 homers, 237 average, ADP of 287, so he's basically a back-end corner infielder if you need him. I have not even come close to clicking on Jose Abreu's name in a draft, but what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, when you think of I don't know, I don't want, I don't want to be too mean. You know, like you, when I when he signed that three year contract, I thought like you know, this is like the six year Andrew Benintendi contract oh. in Chicago. Like it's it's never going to end. Um, you know. Abreu's line last year kind of looks like what you would expect from an aging, from an aging semi-slugger, uh, age, age 36. I mean, the downside is, uh, you know, worst season of his career per WRC plus, and it's the first time in 10 years that he's been a, a below average hitter. So his skills are clearly in decline. You can't really question that anymore. Um, the upswing is it looks like a pretty gradual decline in his his strikeout rate, contact rate, hard hit, barrel, his EVs. They're all like fine to good. Um, he's also an Iron Man. He doesn't sit out many games. He doesn't really get hurt all that often. He he had 594 PAs last year. He's been below 600 only twice in his in his whole career. Um, if you prorate out 2020, it's over it's over 600. So he still has some some value you can squeeze out of him as a, as a CI compiler, who's going to be hitting in a really good lineup. So his, his ADP the last month is 286. Uh, I gotta be honest. I haven't taken him either. Um, there's just a lot of pretty decent corner infield options, but I don't think it's a bad pick. I think, uh, I, I think if you take him there, you plug him into your CI, he's, he's probably a perfectly reliable Reliable guy who's not going to disappoint you too too bad. He feels more like a fifteen team play than a twelve team play to me. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. like I just want to clarify that for because like fifteen team, I can see it because it's boring, but it's a floor with the potential maybe a little more that it's what you want in a fifteen or twelve. It's more like I'm going to be shooting for some upside here or or, or doing something else. So yeah, and that's with the break. Like, and I'm glad you said it with the Brady. Like he's still consistent. He plays a ton. Like this is what we do want in a 15-team league. This is the ideal kind of boring veteran. But um, yeah, it, it's an interesting play. I'm curious to see see how he does this year. But he fits the team actually pretty well. Surprisingly, yeah. he had that one like it was a month stretch where he just destroyed baseballs, and all of a sudden we thought he was back for a minute. Yeah, and you know the the Astros seem like like they're the only team in baseball that doesn't have three first basemen you know like it's true he's, it's very he's true. the guy he's 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 playing that's true so that's good uh any other bats you would like to mention here because they do have a couple maybe platoon situations but if anybody of interest for you yeah i just want to mention jake myers real quick um you know, the steamer and uh and our friend mike curlin uh they both have myers penciled in as the everyday center fielder okay. um which makes sense. He plays really good defense. Um, he's just not a very good hitter. Um, so I just have some thoughts on that. Uh, you know, if, if, if he's, if he sticks as the everyday center fielder, 
Um, he's going to out-earn his current projections. So uh, Steamer has him at 354 to play appearances. Depth charts at 399. And if he's actually the everyday center fielder, you know, he's going to bat ninth, but he's going to get 500 plus. Mm-hmm. So at an ADP of 606. That's pretty good. I mean, he's, you know, he's worth taking 150 picks before that. If, if you believe he's going to be the everyday guy. True. Um, and whether he is or not, I think that's a pretty good gamble in, in uh, draft champions leagues. The thing is, I kind of think in, the Astros might sign someone to platoon with him. Like, um, you know, the left field at Minute Maid Park is not a very big space. You can kind of plug anybody in over there. Uh, so defense isn't really that big a deal. And the Astros could use another left-handed uh, bat in the lineup. So you could get someone to strong side platoon uh, with, with Myers. So, you know, like a – like an Eddie Rosario or a Jock Peterson type, I That's think. A good, good comp. Yeah, I, I think both of those wouldn't be very. Either of those wouldn't be very expensive and would make a good platoon partner for him. So you'd have a deal where, you know, when when Myers is in against lefties, he's playing center field, and when he's not, you know, McCormick slides over to center. He can play a passable center field, and then the platoon partner plays left. Um, I think that's a pretty likely scenario. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if that happens, Myers is pretty worthless. But just keep all that in mind. Um, if he is the everyday center fielder, he's a pretty good D.C. pick. But uh, wait for that other shoe to drop. I like that a lot because – and I like two reasons. If he is the everyday guy, it's an amazing price tag at an ADP in a D.C. That's ridiculous. But I could definitely see the Rosario situation. I think he'd be perfect for that team, like an amazing fit clubhouse-wise, on the field-wise, like everything. That's a very intriguing uh, situation there. Let's head to the bump. Let's talk starting pitching first for the Houston Astros. And we'll start with Framber. Framber Valdez, just the man that he's a machine, an absolute machine is the best way I can say it. Um, just pumps innings and gets the jobs done. He had obviously a little bit of a hiccup at a point last season, but still 198 innings after 201 in 2022. Ratios are still good, like three, three, four, five ERA. You can live with that. Um, strikeouts weren't bad. The dude's awesome. ADP is around 58. What's your thoughts on Framber Valdez? Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, obviously, last season was a bit of a step back from 2022, which which I think is probably a best case scenario for him. That's that's a ceiling that is that is still there, uh, but I certainly wouldn't expect him to repeat that. I think 2023, uh, despite the hiccups, looks more like his true talent level. Um, some of the changes from from 2022 to last season, his his like super insane elite 66% ground ball rate dropped to 54%, which is still elite. Um, part of that is he he was throwing his sinker a little bit less, and that's part of a gradual decline that's that's been happening since since 2020. Um, and you know, while the sinker is great for ground balls, it's actually the worst of his four main pitches uh, based on XBA and whiff rate. Um, so he threw the sinker and he threw his curveball a little bit less and increased his usage of his changeup and his cutter. And he stopped throwing his fastball completely. Uh, it just it just looks like a more balanced and sustainable approach moving forward, not relying on one pitch so heavily and, and spreading it out because, you know, all of his pitches are pretty good. Um, so I kind of see that being his approach moving forward. And, you know, 
people mentioned the concern about his first half and his second half last season. I don't know how much of that I'm really concerned about. Basically, the first half looks like the continued elite uh, production from 2022. And then the second half looks more like uh, looks more like his true talent level. And but, you know, the thing is, he had a really horrible July and that's pumping up his whole uh, all, all the numbers on his second half were really a, a handful of of uh, kind of sustained blowups in July. But he was still pretty good in August and September. He kind of bounced back. Um, you know, his his velocity on the year was actually better than it's ever been. Uh, it was up to 95. It had never been above 94 before, just where he sits. So that's good. Um, and, you know, so basically your range of outcomes is that elite 2022 and the very good 2023. So 200 innings of something in that range, that's, that's what you want. So I, I see his ADP at 58 as a pretty good bargain. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm my back. I get first. This is where like I, I've said it way too many times. There's a lot of biases in this fantasy game we play, and it's just the reality of the situation. And so when I, you know, the degenerate in me doing the very, very early stupid drafts, I'm sitting there going, man, maybe you know, he's an accumulator like Sandy, who I was always like not a, a fan of this, that, and the other. But a lot of what you said, like the more I do drafts, the more we do research. Now you know that was back in late October, early November. It's now January. It's mid, almost freaking February as we're talking. We're closer to February now. Just doing all that work, you start to see a lot of the stuff you're talking about where I take my step back. Why did I love him so much going into 2023? Like, what what was it? He didn't change that much, really. Like, it was pretty much the same dude, like he said. And that's where it's like, okay, put the, you know, there, there's a rough patch in the second half. Put that away. Look at the dude. Look at the total picture. It's like I always say with hitters is, if you're playing roto, you want the whole season. So what do you care if he slumped in in like May? Like who gives? Who cares? You're playing roto. Like head to head guys, you guys got your own story. That's fine. But we play roto pretty much. And in the end, Framber was still a, a monster that you were just chucking out there every week. So yeah, sorry you lost your playoffs. That's exactly. why fantasy football is stupid. That's why I hate head to head. I've had this debate with some really good friends of mine, some great friends of mine that do great content. <laughs> Bogman and the Welsh, love you, brothers. They we go head to head on that all the time. Rotovers head uh, head to head leagues, and uh, it's entertaining. Justin Verlander, Justin Verlander. There aren't many guys on my preview shows, Russell, so far that are older than me. Let's put it that way. Um, he's going to be forty-one years old this season. He's got me by a year, and um, his ADP right now is one thirty-two. And it, I've seen him just fall in certain drafts. Obviously, he's got a men pick of 108, so people are taking him. But, you know, 162 innings, that's good. That was actually kind of a surprise, all things considered. Ratios are fine, but the strikeout drop just concerns the snot out of me, Russell. Uh, what are your thoughts on Verlander? Is he still worth the 132? Or is it like you're kind of worried that this is kind of a thing? of the? If he feels like he's going the Kershaw route minus the strikeouts right now. Yeah, I mean – I'm not taking him at 132, but but I'm not going to dump on him either. Yeah. Um, you know he's, you know he wants to pitch into his 40s like Nolan Ryan did. And Nolan Ryan had some pretty effective. I mean, not everyone's Nolan Ryan, obviously, but true. but uh, you know if anybody comes close, it's Verlander. It's true too. Um, 
obviously there's some skills erosion happening there. You know, walk rate, strikeout rate, swing and strike rate, contact. I mean, you can look across the board and you can see the skills kind of eroding. Uh, they're hitting the ball. Batters are hitting the ball off him harder than ever. But he's still really good. Um, he's he's such a skilled pitcher that even with skills erosion, he can still find a way to to really make it work. And you know, the only question is, uh, you know, how many innings is he going to get? Do you believe that he's going to hit forty and break all of a sudden? I'm not sure. I think that. Um, you know, if, if he pitches another 165, 175 innings, which, which I think is pretty reasonable, he's probably worth the cost of where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of hedging and giving him 150 in my sheet. That's right. So so people are taking him before I am, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't begrudge that pick at all. I just kind of view him as kind of a like not a hot potato, but but kind of a warm potato, yeah. and. Uh, you know, I'd just rather eat something else for dinner. Yeah, when it, when it when it comes to Verlander, it's just like there's more avenues to I think failure at the pick than success right now compared to years past. So, like you're saying, it's not poo-pooing on his his season coming up. Like he can still be very sure. He just feels more like he's better real life player than fantasy now. He's taken that shift. And again, could be totally wrong. Like if he does throw 175 somehow, you're probably getting great return at one the pick ADP 132. But I'm more in your shoes where I'm thinking, you know, he could still be very good. But it, it was like a lot of five and six inning starts. Like six innings wasn't even in the cards a lot of nights. And that's where it's, you know, you get a lot of those five and six inning guys later in the draft to me. And that's where it's tough for me to take Verlander. But the ratios are still great. So if you're looking for a ratio, dude, he's basically Kyle Hendricks X when Kyle Hendricks was doing his thing with probably with more upside. So um, if you want to kind of, at least that's where my mindset is right now. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting with Verlander. Christian Javier, the enigma that is Christian Javier. Uh, Amazing postseason before last year, 2022, that just skyrocketed his ADP. Then it was a bumpy road this year, but actually finished kind of entertaining yet again to kind of reel people back into things. Uh, through 162 innings, 4.56 year A, 180 ADP now. So you're not paying anywhere close to what you paid last year. So what are our thoughts on Javier? Yeah, I think he's more of the hot potato than Verlander is. Um, yeah. I got to be honest, I'm pretty worried about Christian Javier. Um, you know, I mean, everybody knows this. He 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 lost a tick on his fastball between 2022 and, and last season. It dropped from 93.8 to 92.7, and and everything kind of fell apart. So, you know, he he throws his four seamer like 60 percent of the time. He's like a one pitch guy, and if that pitch isn't working, it's really hard for him to sort of tinker and find other things that work for him. I mean, if you, you know, if you look at, uh, at his pick pitch mix chart on baseball savant, and it has been exactly the same for four straight seasons, 60% on the four seam, like it's four straight lines uh, across. He, he doesn't tinker. So in his transition from a reliever to a starter, his mix has stayed exactly the same. And if his 60% reliance pitch isn't working for him, there's just, you know, he doesn't have the ability that other pitchers have to, 
to lean more heavily on something else. So I just don't want to invest in, too heavily in that kind of profile. Um, so at ADP 179, there's just a lot of pitchers going there that I really like. Uh, so, so far in draft champions, I've just been out. I just, I've passed him over. I'm just not all that interested. I will be watching him in spring training uh, while I'm drafting fab leagues in March. So if I see that his velocities back up, um, that would make me interested. Or if I see, you know, he's got some new pitch he's working with and he's throwing it a lot and it's looking effective and all, all of a sudden he's, changed his pitch mix for the first time in five years, and he's got something else he's relying on, that would make me really interested too. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I don't see those things, I'm probably just ignoring him. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That's kind of – I've had some very smart people break down Javier, and uh, Kyle Bland broke down the PLV stuff of where his pitches were low, all kinds of things. And you, like you said, the fastball – when he lost that tick, and it's basically an average fastball now. And if you're missing, like you said, it's batting practice almost for these professional hitters. And we saw that at times last year. So that's concerning. And uh, it's a great buy. I have zero DC shares, not even in. But that's the beauty of spring training. We look at velocity increases. We look at pitch mix changes. And in a fab league, again, you can take the gamble late if you want, drop them, those kind of scenarios. A lot different than a DC where you're just like sitting there staring at them on your bench every lineup change and it's just it, it's painful to see so with you on that one let's go to hunter brown here hunter brown had his big coming out party 155 innings pitched in 2023 the numbers i don't think do justice adp of 184 you got that five era to me it felt like he just got tired that was me but uh as an astros guy that watched him a lot what are your thoughts on hunter brown because for overall all things considered i think it was a good first campaign maybe not fantasy wise yeah, I mean, results-wise, it was pretty ugly. Um, but, you know, he's being drafted right around the same spot as Javier. And I'll take Hunter Brown over Javier 10 times out of 10 uh, this season at least. Um, you know, uh, this might be the, the, the least useful analysis I give because Hunter Brown is so – he's such an enigma to me. Um there are a lot of things about him that I like. Um, I am an absolute sucker for a for a 50 plus ground ball rate. I mean, when I look at a at a pitcher's profile and I and I see that, I'm like, okay, well, that's a building block that I like to see. Um, you know, what else does he have to work with? And Hunter Brown's got a pretty deep arsenal. Uh, there's nothing that he relies upon too much. He's got you know several above average pitches, and you can just see that there are several different avenues in which he could kind of figure things out and make it work. Um, and I'm pretty confident that, that an off season of looking at what went wrong would allow him to, to explore that and, and the Astros help him. So I just see a lot of ways that he could turn things around and have a productive season next year. I just don't look, I don't look at his profile and go, you know, oh man, I don't, I don't know how he's going to do this. It's just like the the total opposite of Javier. Yeah, I'm with you. That's kind of where I am. I don't think I have shares of either, honestly, all things considered. But I'd be much more in on on Brown than than Javier. That's that's the gift and curse of it all. Uh, Jose Arquiti projected to be the fifth starter in the Astros rotation right now. ADP of almost 500. It's 495. 
Um, obviously, injury riddled 2023. Still got 63 innings out there. Wasn't elite by any means. But what's our thoughts on Arquiti? Is he just a streamable dude, or is he worth a gamble in a DC at that price? Yeah, I think both. Um, I'm not sure he'll be the fifth starter. I think I think Arquiti and JP France will both uh, get starts and pitch out of the pen. I think I think they'll both get a shot. Um, you know, Arquiti's ADP is is 490. I think that's a pretty useful pick because he's going to get innings. Um, he is showing some skills erosion. Uh, you know, he's got a three-year decline in his strikeout rate and a three-year increase in his walk rate. Uh, but he's been a pretty reliable pitcher for 300 innings over four seasons. Um, it wouldn't be crazy to see him recapture a little bit of that magic. Um, he's on a really good team, so he can, you know, he can snag some junk wins and I mean, that's really what you're looking for at a, you know, a, a pick around ADP 500, a guy who's going to log heavy innings on a good team. Uh, so I think he's a pretty useful pick around that spot. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what he is. I think he's a streamer, streamer starter, long reliever, you know, 100 innings, maybe 120 innings. Um, I kind of prefer JP France to him. Um Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, I was going to say he's going about 30 picks higher. So I'm, I, I had shares of France last year, and um, there was good and bad behind that. But why would you prefer France over Keaton? I'm curious. Yeah, he had a, France had a nice little run there. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not really anything special. He kind of overperformed, uh, and his role isn't totally secure. But you could kind of, you know, there are a couple of ways you can squint and kind of see him making things making things work and, and sticking long term. I mean, his his four seam fastball isn't all that great. He's you know, it's 93, but he doesn't really get whiffs on it. And and batters hit it really hard. Um, if he threw that a little less often and leaned more heavily on some of his other pitches, he could find a mix that works a little bit better. Um, you know, his. His cutter gets twice the whiffs as his four seam. Um, his changeup was pretty good. It's a top 15 changeup in baseball. Um, he mostly used it against left-handed batters, but it was really effective in limited usage against righties. Uh, so if he leaned on that a little, a, a little bit heavier too. Uh, same thing with his with his curveball. He only threw his curveball 13.7% of the time, uh, but it gets a ton of whiffs regardless of the handedness of the batter. So he's got these other weapons in his arsenal that he could kind of tinker with and lean on uh, a little bit heavier. And, you know, he's, you know, I'm not predicting anything, but you could kind of tilt your head and look at it and, and see a way that he can, can be a little bit better than, than, than what he did last season. Whereas with Urquidy, you kind of feel like, you know, who he is already. Yeah. Um, so I expect them both to sort of have the same role. But I can I can see a, a a narrow path to to France returning a little more value than Arquiti. Yeah, no, that's I'm kind of with you there, and it's you know you always have that part in the DC where you're starting to debate: Do I try to get these you know five and a half to six SPs type guys that aren't fully into the five spot? Do I want to go with these uh, late reliever guys? And and France is always kind of that one of those dudes sitting there when you, when you're looking at them and. Uh, I'm much more interested in him than Urquidy for sure. Uh, you put down here Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers both coming, you know, going to start the season on the IEL most likely, uh, especially Garcia, uh, TJ, and, you know, McCullers with the shoulder injury. 
both essentially free in drafts right now. I've seen not even get drafted in some drafts, yeah. to put it that way. Um, like Luis Garcia has only been drafted in seven of the last 16 drafts. So uh, what's your thoughts on these two going into the season? Because um, it's tough for me to trust either one. Yeah, I just wanted to mention them for draft champions purposes. Um, I'm, you know, they're both expected back kind of mid-season, which means, you know, September. <laughs> yep. um, I'm not drafting Luis Garcia in DCs, but I've grabbed Lance in a couple of places. I just kind of view these guys as lottery tickets. Uh, a lot of people in the in the forty to forties, uh, forty to fifty rounds of draft champions, they'll take prospects, and I do that too. But out of some of these prospects, what you're really hoping for is a an August or a September call up and you know, 30 innings and, and hopefully they're good innings, useful innings. And that's kind of the same thing you would get out of a Lance McCullers or a Luis Garcia if they if they returned and, and pitched a month or a month and a half for you. And they are both proven arms in the major leagues. Um, I think the expectation would be that, that they would be pretty reliable if they come back healthy and do pitch. So I've grabbed Lance. I mean, I, I think I've done eight draft champions. I've grabbed Lance in one or two of them just, okay. just because because I'm an Astros homer and I like Lance for colors. Um, but but I think it's as it's as good a pick as some of the prospects people are taking at pick 700. Yeah, that's totally fair. That, that, that's a great way to break it down too. Is if why are we taking these? Why are we all in on taking these late prospects? We're not inclined to the other situation. So that, that's a very valid situation. And comparing the two, if McCullers is healthy and cleared. They're just gonna let him roll pretty much. Where a prospect, you're like, they still might kind of, you know, have kid gloves on type scenario. So yeah. that's another another way to potentially look at it. Yeah. Let's head to the bullpen where things got spicy on Thursday. Things got much more interesting with the Astros bullpen. Like Ryan Presley's been that guy that he's gotten the job. He always has a stent or two on the IL. So Brian or Bray or someone, whoever's there, comes up and does his thing. And then Presley comes back and in the end solid fantasy closer all things considered right now presley's adp is around 83 84 but there's this um this shadow starting to come over that situation so how are we looking at this astros bullpen now from a uh i guess fantasy perspective because real life that's a heck of a one-two punch if a hater shows up yeah i mean what a nice surprise that was to to hear that rumor yesterday so the there's a rumor yesterday that the astros are are pursuing Josh Hader pretty pretty aggressively. Um, as an Astros fan, that would be pretty awesome. So I'm crossing my fingers for that, even though I immediately went and checked my Ryan Presley shares in on my DC teams that I've drafted. I, I have him on two two DCs, including a 400. So yeah, I didn't want to know, check because I know I have I, a uh, few, and I'm just like, oh, no. You know, <laughs> I'd, hate to, I'd hate to punch saves in a $400 DC, but – you know, it'd be bittersweet because I'm an Astros fan, and I would love to see Hater closing games in Houston. Um, you know, obviously, there's not much analysis to provide if if Hater if Hater gets signed, he'd be the man. But uh, Presley is, I mean, people kind of know what to expect with Presley. He's 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 aging. He's in skills decline, uh, but he's still a very very good effective uh, reliever. Um, and when he's in there, you could be confident that he's going to pitch well. He's going to get good ratios. Uh, he's going to strike out more than a, more than a batter an inning. 
Um, you know, he's he's one of the last. I, I can't remember what his ADP is. I think it's in the seventies or the eighties. Um, but he's kind of one of the last reliable closers. You know, barring a hater signing, uh, that I'm comfortable taking as my RP one. Um, this this year in draft champions, I've been I've been really trying to be disciplined about not taking closers in the top five rounds. Uh, in the past, I've been a round three, round four guy, but um, you know. Presley's Presley's one of those guys in round six, seven, eight uh, that I felt really comfortable. Uh, so if they don't sign Hater, he's a great pick. And yes. if they do sign Hater, I mean, this is Presley's final year of his contract. Um, you know, maybe they, maybe they, maybe they ride to the World Series with with him and Bregman, or maybe they trade him and free up cap space or something. I don't know. Yeah, Presley would be a desired commodity at certain for certain teams. There's no no doubt in that. So yeah. I'm curious. I was very surprised when I got out of a, I had an evening meeting I was a part of. I got out and saw that buzz coming around. I was like, that was not what I expected to see. But all right, let's go. Um, makes things quite interesting in that regard. And that obviously kind of puts a poo-poo also on a Brayu and other situations out there until we see what this hater hater deal yeah. is. Um, I, I don't I don't think it's crazy to think that they might trade Presley if they signed Hater. Well, I'm with you. They should. I mean, he's, he's making 15 mil, and there are a lot of teams that that would like you know give up something pretty good to have him pitch in the ninth for them for a season. Hundred I mean, percent. So he has a vesting option for 2025, so only 24 is guaranteed. That's why I think um, this is the maybe dumb reaction to me but it's also kind of like the the buyer's action is if this hater thing happens Presley price drops i'm more interested in taking that dip and seeing because i think there's a point even if it's not to start the year i think he gets traded at some point and that's where you at least in a dc you can get those saves at, at a different time at a, at a discount so i'm interested there but we'll see we'll see it all has to unfold still and we'll see how that plays Last little bit I got for you here, prospect-wise, like Corey Jolks. We didn't even talk about Corey Jolks. Is he in play this year, or what are we doing? You know, ah, man, again, I wish I had gone back and listened to what I said on your show last year. Because he was on the outline. I, I basically copied and pasted and I erased. He was one of your top prospects to discuss. And we talked I about feel like I feel like we had a long talk about Jolks in, yep. in uh, late January or early February. And then a bunch of other shows started talking about yeah. it after that. Um, and he worked out great as far as a late draft champions pick. He, but he, he, he stole, what, 15 bases, something like that? I mean, he had a nice little run there and absolutely returned his value. Um, He's 717 right now. <laughs> I got to be honest, he's not really been on my radar this season. I kind of feel like – like he had his shot and yep. he didn't stick and maybe he gets traded to someone else. Um, I'm just not all that confident that he, that, you know, the, you know, the stars are going to align for, for similar magic this season. Yep. Well, that's a shame because basically free in drafts, but uh, yeah, especially if they go and sign the Rosario, like we talked about earlier or something that even puts more of a damper on that situation. Any other prospects we should be looking at? Because they keep churning out options here, but I don't know if this is the year for. I haven't heard a ton of buzz. Maybe you know better than I. Yeah, not not really. Um, it's it's kind of an unexciting uh, 
system in, in terms of who might come up this season. Um, Kennedy Corona is kind of interesting. He played in the AFL. He had he had pretty good numbers in Double A. I mean, I I'm not drafting him, um, but he's kind of an interesting name to put on your radar for the future. Um, a lot of people like Spencer Araghetti. He's a starting pitcher. Uh, he doesn't really pop for me, um, but he does kind of look like he'd be the next man up, and the Astros seem to have this starting pitcher magic with with SP prospects who weren't really on anyone's radar. Uh, and they're, you know, unless they sign someone, there's going to be some opportunity in Houston. So um, Aragetti is probably going to get some innings in Houston, and, and maybe he sticks. So remember that name. Uh, but other than those guys, not really. Not a problem because, you know, <laughs> Joked about it out the gate. The first five guys we talked about, they're pretty much locked in bar an injury. So it's going to limit the uh, prospect upside uh, this yeah. season for the Astros. Final thoughts. What are your expectations in 2024 for the Houston Astros? Uh, for Alex Bregman's final ride, maybe, maybe Ryan Presley's last ride world series. Yeah. It's hard not to the only, <laughs> the only, if I could get like, if I had to give any pushback, it's Mariners are improved and the, um, the Rangers obviously did what they did last year, so that's that's big. But this Astros team is built for long-term success, as we've seen. And uh, it all to me, it all relies on that top end of that pitching staff because Framber's great. Can Verlander, Javier, Brown do their thing? If those yeah. guys take that – like Verlander just stays Verlander, but Javier and or Brown takes that next step, this team's filthy. Like, yeah, because they're going to score a million runs. It's just a matter of that pitching staff getting the job done. So, yeah, I think I think uh, the addition by subtraction of uh, of Dusty leaving and Diaz getting full run, McCormick getting full run. I mean, that alone, I think, makes the lineup better. Yep. hundred percent. And so we'll see how things go. Well, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, before we head out of here, remind everybody where they can find you and what you got going on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter X uh, at Armchair Roto, and my website is armchairroto.com. Um, I don't write that often, but I've I've put out a handful of articles since the season ended. Some some auto news stuff. Um, so yeah, check it out. Yeah, check out Russell's site. There's some sharp, sharp stuff on there. Uh, very, very good minds. But it's always fun having him on the show and chatting. So I appreciate it, my friend. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, thanks, Bubba. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 634, your 2024 Houston Astros team preview. Catch you all next time.